From KMUW Wichita. From Toronto, Ontario. And from Armia, Spain. This is your saying it wrong. Let's talk words. Let's talk grammar and how sometimes we think we're saying one thing when we're really saying another. I'm Fletcher Powell, host and producer at KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. And joining me as they do every week, Kathy Petrus and Ross Petrus. Hello, Kathy, from your home in Armia, Spain. I hear it's allergy season now, Kathy. I know. It's, what, February? And I'm already like, no, it's March now. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So so that makes it all better, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's spring, so it's loud. (laughs) (laughs) Ross Petrus, do they even have allergy season there in Toronto? Oh, yeah. Actually, the really interesting thing is Toronto is actually not that cold compared to a lot of the states. So we get we sure as you know, we get a lot of allergy. I tend to get fall allergies, though, so I'm fine right now. Oh, right, right. For me, the worst I get uh, have mold allergy. And at the library, when I'm opening like old boxes of books, that's when I really get it. I love books so much. I'll take the I'll take the allergies. <laughs> You'll suffer in silence. <laughs> well, no, the sneezing. I mean, you can hear it all across the room. But whatever. I like books, so I'll take it. Well, today we are going to get stuck by some sticky, tricky grammar moments. Uh, I hear you guys have a little pop quiz for me, which is always Mm -hmm. exciting. However, as we often do, there was a thing or two you wanted to bring up before we got to the main topic. Well, we're going to make this very swift. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I slay me. Um, We will make it swift, however. It was just because we got a bunch of emails about this a few weeks ago when Taylor Swift announced her new album. The Tortured Poets Department. Oh, uh uh-huh. Tortured Poets without an apostrophe. Right. And a lot of people were wondering what we thought about it. How would we weigh in? Did it need an apostrophe or not? And if it did, where should said apostrophe be? I didn't think it needed an apostrophe at all. I mean, I I think she's talking about a department of tortured poets, which is fine. I I didn't see any real problem. I mean, if, if there was an apostrophe in it, it would be singular, the tortured poets department, like this one poet, his department. Or if the apostrophe was after the S, it would be, that'd be okay too. They, all three would be okay. But tortured poets department without the apostrophe, I think is fine. What do you think, Fletcher? I think it completely depends on what she means. Exactly. Any of the three possible ways, you know, no apostrophe at all, mm-hmm. apostrophe for the singular poet or an apostrophe for the plural poets, any of those could work depending on what she's trying to say with it. So I think it's Precisely. perfectly fine the way she has it. This is an example, I think, though, of where people get like run a little amok, if you will, about grammar rules, which we're going to get into in a few minutes. So because a lot of people immediately see the S and say, well, it's plural, there should it should be a possessive, and it needs the apostrophe. And I think this is the kind of thing Ross and I talk about. We've talked about it a lot with you, mm-hmm. Fletcher, where where the rules don't necessarily are not what they seem to be, if you will. Right. There's definitely a rule there. It's an attributive noun. I mean, it's a noun, which means that it describes things in the same way we, we would do it, use an adjective is what it is. Mm-hmm. Babysitter's club, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's that way, which is perfectly fine in grammar. You know, speaking of poets, I just want to bring this up because uh, the other day I was... Uh, just looking up a, a little bit about a Robert Frost poem, 
and I came across a site that very clearly was using AI to populate its information about mm-hmm. about said poem. And just let let me read this out loud. This was in the analysis section, right? Okay. <laughs> this is a poem to be marveled at and taken for granted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, it, it, it keeps going. Like a big stone, like a body of water, like a strong economy, however it was forged, it seems that, once made, it has always been there. Frost, <laughs> Frost claimed that he wrote it in a single nighttime sitting. It just came to him. Perhaps one hot, sustained burst is the only way to cast such a complete object, in which form and content, shape and meaning are wow. alloyed inextricably. One is tempted to read it, nod in recognition of its splendor and multivalent meaning, and just move on. But one must write essays or study guides. Wow. <laughs> No, guys, I think a person might have written that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Like, why would you, as a website, be okay with having that on there? I it's know. interesting. I had a discussion with someone at the library the other day on this. He's, he's a computer person. And I was saying, I just don't think AI, I mean, so far, certainly not. And I have a real problem with, will AI ever begin to mimic real humans doing real things and you know his, he claims that once you get let's say a hundred million different you know uh, iterations of something ai will get closer and closer to the real thing mm-hmm. and i don't think it will i, I just I, I do you guys what do you guys think i'm just curious about that i don't think it's going to ever really write a good story i told you that the other day i, I belong to a writer's group here and uh we meet in granada every two weeks and one woman had, a, she's a great writer. It was a short story. And there was one part I said I just couldn't stand. It was oh, supposed yeah, to be did. a new thing. And, I, and she said, where, from where to where? And I told her this paragraph to this paragraph. And she said, oh, my God. She said she tried AI. She was curious. And that was the part AI had written. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, there was no reason for me to have detected said thing. But it just was wrong. It just did not work for me and do you remember kathy we tried that with we tried to do an opening we were having troubles writing an opening for a book and for fun we tried an ai opening yeah i did at first glance it looked like you know gee it's not that bad then we looked at it it was terrible well it's like this thing that fletcher just read with like a line like a strong economy with uh whatever the other three oh yeah forging that well forge it but i mean you do forge you know forge is make but you would never use forge a poem i mean you never would Although we should have done like a really interesting sort of thing and say, aha, but right now you're talking to two AI creations. <laughs> we are deep fakes. <laughs> AI Ross and AI Kathy. Hello, Fletcher. <laughs> There's no way it would be as much fun as the two of you. <laughs> I don't know. Let's move on, though, to more human endeavors and some uh, sticky grammar questions. Sure. Okay, Fletcher. Do you feel bad or badly about AI. Well, I'm not responsible for it, so I do not feel badly about AI. <laughs> uh, but I do feel bad that it exists. Yeah. Um, this is something that I hear a lot is people uh, saying that they feel badly when what they mean is they don't feel good. Correct. And and that's not exactly right because what they're descri- what they need there is an adjective. I mean, here's how I feel. I feel bad. Now, if they were talking about how they hurt somebody's feelings, then they would feel, wait, was that even right? <laughs> no, that's not even right, nope. is it? Because they, 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 would also, they would also feel bad. Ah, here we go. 
if they were really not very good at feeling things with their yes! hands, <laughs> then they would feel badly. They would be bad at feeling. Correct. Yes, yes there we go. Because, like, you don't say, like, I feel sadly. Right. So let's go back to this. Kath, do you want to explain to Fletcher? Or Fletcher, actually, let's see first you can explain. What grammatical rule is going on here with bad versus badly with the verb? The, um, well, I'm, I'm really bad at... at laying out actual rules you're badly at it (laughs) (laughs) but i don't i mean i don't need an adverb there right unless i'm talking about the action Mm -hmm. fletcher you are a gem of language (laughs) you're right yeah i may not explain things in the clearest possible way but i kind of wind my way around there sometimes Let's get to the count. Do you want to give Fletcher? We're going to go kind of zip a little bit backwards in that sentence to the verb itself. Okay, feel. The verb feel. It's a linking verb. I mean, what it is, it's linking verbs. There's verbs of sensation, which are things like feel, look, smell, sound, taste. And there are verbs of existence. Appear, be, become, continue, seem, remain, prove. Well, they're basically an equal sign, really, when you get down to it. The linking verb makes the uh, I or, mm. a or whatever, the subject, equal the complement. I feel bad. I equal bad. Okay. It smells good. It equals good is what it is. So it's a little confusing sometimes because people instinctively feel that they're dealing with an adverb because they're trying to modify the verb, but they're not modifying the verb really. They're just equaling, they're just explaining what the noun is. What the noun is. Do you see what that is? Yeah. I you you can't say I am uh, badly because it's not. I mean, there's it's I am what you know. I am bad. I am good. Yeah. But the interesting thing though is Fletcher, you almost made the distinction that a lot of people make, which is with the feel bad. They think you can say bad when it's physical health and badly when it's emotional. Right. When you're saying I feel badly about hurting mm-hmm. this person. As opposed to, I feel bad because I have a cold. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of people make that distinction and say, you should have the L-Y. I mean, this is technically not correct, but I'm saying this is common, mm-hmm. that people think you need the badly part, the L-Y uh, suffix, when it's emotional. Yeah, and obviously I almost did that until I stopped myself whew, just in the nick of time, thank goodness. Well, Kathy was ready to start screaming in terror. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ross. <laughs> Thank and you. The key thing, and the key thing, I think, also is, you know, Kathy gave you the list of those verbs uh, of sensation and existence, these linking verbs. But a verb isn't, like, by definition, a linking verb. No. I mean, you know, we had, like, Kathy smells bad. Oh, excuse me. Um, let's, that's no, what Ross, I, was I smell badly. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're two different... They're, Oh, and Fletcher, you know, you brilliantly brought that up. I mean, their their feel, in some one case, was like you don't feel braille uh, dots very well, and that's that's not a linking verb. And that's well, that's okay. It's like they they can these verbs can be action verbs as well as linking mm-hmm. verbs, right. and that right. that therein lies the the difference of the ly. And Kathy and I once saw someone call Lincoln verbs. Someone asked it, and they put. Lincoln is an Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln (laughs) (laughs) And that was before AI. (laughs) (laughs) That was sad. Okay. Question number two. Which do you think is technically correct? This is an interesting one, I think. One, you doing that is great. Two, 
you're doing that is great. Yeah. Okay. I think if I were speaking and I said this, I think that I would probably say you doing that is great, which means probably that's the one that's not technically correct. And the other one, (laughs) you're doing that that is great, is technically correct. But I also want to argue that if you doing that is great is not technically correct, just say it anyway. Like, who cares? Okay, Fletcher, you and I are friends on this one. Ross and I had a bit of a kerfuffle. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) disagreement. I'm going to defend myself on this. I always would say you're doing it is great or that you're doing that is great. I don't think it's anything. I wouldn't get upset if someone doesn't do it. But for me, it really doesn't sound right. I get like a slight, I don't care if you do it, but I don't like it. And I'm just going to ask Doctor another little quick question here. Do you know why it technically is you're doing it rather than you doing it? No, absolutely not. Well, here we go with our little kerfuffle. This one, I, for some reason, it just sticks in my head. The doing here is not a verb. It, it's a gerund, which is a, a verb that's transformed into a noun. To make like sort of ing, cleaning, writing, playing, all those are verbs transformed into nouns. So it becomes a noun. So your doing is now has to be modified. It's possessive. It's your your noun. Your doing. Do you see that? Yeah, I think the that causes a lot of problems there because if you said like your cleaning is great, then I I could that would be easier for me to see. But when we say your if you, even if you said your doing is great, that would be weird. But yes, although I'm mean, okay. You just said that the cleaning, but I I would argue okay, your cleaning is great. Boy, when you clean, it's fabulous. But I would also say you cleaning is great. I'm thrilled that you're cleaning yeah, the house. I think those are two different things. You cleaning, you cleaning is great. I'm glad you're doing it. Your cleaning is great. Yeah. You did a great job at cleaning, right? Yeah, yeah. I think those are two different. Th- things i don't think this i mean this rule is disappearing and i don't think it's going to be around in another i mean it's a you know people don't usually do i do it but you really have to be sure about what you're talking about though because you know i have have a friend like a lot of people do who who runs a lot and if that was something that was really good for his health and he was getting a lot healthier i could say you running is great doing this thing running like it's great for you you running is great. Mm-hmm. But if I said your running is great, that would mean that he's really good at running. He may be terrible at yeah, it. Yeah, I agree with you. They I, end up I being disagree different. with you. I disagree because your running is is the act of his running. You're right, Ross, but it sounds to me, I'm with Fletcher on this one, because to me saying your running is great, it's like, boy, when you run, you run. I see what you guys are saying. I really do. But I'm saying that the your in that case could also be seen to say the same thing. I think... I hear the distinction, mm-hmm. and I'm now in abject pain over this correction. <laughs> oh, why, Ross, are you segueing into another question? <laughs> I believe I am, Kathy AI. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What's wrong here? This was an example. I think it was from some newspaper, and I didn't write down. I should have. He felt both abject joy and abject sorrow simultaneously. Oh, yes. This sounds familiar. I don't know how you could possibly have abject joy. Uh, now I can't. I can't remember like literally what that the definition of that word is. But you're not going to have a positive word after abject. Abject. I mean, it's sort of. It's hopeless. It yeah. comes from the Latin. I'll do the Latin abjectius, which is low, crouching, 
cast down, dispirited. It comes from the past participle of abyakere, which is the throw away, throw down, degrade, humble, lower. I don't see anything in any of those definitions that give us abject joy. And just because it's from Latin doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, it doesn't, we don't have to follow it exactly, but custom has been never say abject joy, abject sorrow is, is correct. But you, you found that in a real article. Yes. Because most things are things like abject terror, abject horror. I think someone was getting too into parallelism there mm -hmm. um, That's and got good, a little fancy. People, I mean, it means extreme, you know, it's extremely bad, but people take it to mean extreme, only extreme. Ah. But now I'm not finding it. Uh, well, here, this is just someone on Twitter. Oh, X, excuse me. I just me, found just it, too. On Reddit, I just found it. <laughs> the eight-week-old delinquent has been known to melt stone with his stare of abject happiness. Whatever that means. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. This is a, here's one from the Ayn Rand Institute. The Ayn. Atlas Shrug Ayn Rand. Okay, thank you, Kath. Winning essay. For all intents and purposes... The happiness society seems to be referring to is an abject happiness that is unobtainable by any means. What, what? does that mean? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty unobtainable. <laughs> yeah, That's a good point, Kat. Could you have abject happiness if, like, you accepted the fact that there was no hope whatsoever and you sort of went so far through that hopelessness that letting go of any hope whatsoever caused you some kind of enlightenment or or happiness? Well, that was a book we um, ran across entitled Abject Joy that was correctly titled such because they're saying it's contrasting true joy with happiness and like you the, going away from the whole heroic angle of things. And I believe, I mean, I don't know because I'm no philosopher and we know that because I left that in college behind me. But um I believe that was the sort of thing he was speaking of. So in that sense, but but it's a nuanced use of the word ob oh, object. Oh, it's not yes. someone thinking it's, you know, yay, yay, I feel fabulous. I won lotto, you know. To the extent where you really have to explain using it, which makes it, yeah. you know, not particularly useful in that sense. I just looked up the definition of Merriam-Webster. Sunk to in a low stater condition, cast down in spirit, servile, hopelessness or resignation, or uh, one thing we should have mentioned, abject apology or abject flattery, expressing and offered in a humble and often ingratiating spirit. There is hmm. that hmm. sort of slightly different definition. But I think that's really pushing it. The next one is really interesting because this one, again, here I go. I sound like a real prescriptivist because this is another pet peeve of mine. Is this correct or not? Today is an historical day for the podcast. I noticed you said an historical there, Ross. <gasps> oh, that's interesting. Good that's catch, another fetish of mine, and I just blow it. <laughs> yes, it should. It should be a because we're pronouncing the the consonant. It's that's another pet peeve of mine. I just did. It. Anyway, uh, I love it. let's just go. Let's make this simple. I think Ross that you're hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, would this actually be a historical day? Okay, yes. like I got to think for a second about historic and historical. Now, let me give. Can I add something to it, Fletcher? Of course. Okay, yesterday I ate a chicken salad sandwich on rye bread. Was this historical? Yes, it is. A, it is. It is a matter of the 
record the hit the record of history that you did that or wait yes. is it the other way around no no that's right yeah yeah historic would be prominent in the historical record right perfect exactly although i want to point out that back in the day historic and historical were interchangeable no one really made a distinction mm-hmm. and a Apparently, in in British English, it still is much more interchangeable. So this is essentially one of those useless rules. Based yes, on- it is. <laughs> yeah, so but so it's what, important to know it. What you're saying, what you're saying is, it used to be interchangeable. Now, very few people actually make the distinction, so it's basically interchangeable. So, <laughs> <laughs> but technically right, incorrect technically. in the United yes. States. <laughs> in the States. Yeah. Although, actually, Merriam-Webster says it's merely convention that prefers to do But that's this, all so. languages anyway. Language is always just convention. There's no such thing as a hard, fast rule in language anyway. Except for this one, which really bothers me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Kathy has pasted this in for me. Oh, this is a, this is a long sentence. I will I will read this out loud and then try to figure out what's going on. All right. Oh, it's two sentences. I see. Okay, let's do this. First, complainants are required to diligently pursue their complaints under the BC Human Rights Code. Okay, the second sentence, complainants with a T in there <laughs> are required to diligently pursue their complaints under the BC Human Rights Code. I I have only ever seen and would say, I guess, complainants. Complainants. <laughs> I'm, I'm gobsmacked. Okay, you're right. Complainants is the word. Both Ross and I think complainant is the better word. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be the correct one. <laughs> How interesting. I, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen anybody say complainant. Well, you've met well, two people who do. So off. <laughs> Which re- reminds us of another oh, mistake we made. Yes, years Ross ago. Ross and I, for years, were saying restaurateur instead of ah, yes. the correct restaurateur. Uh-huh. And um, we had an editor, remember It's embarrassing, yeah. (laughs) It's so humiliating. And he said something to us, and he said he was so glad that, you know, we we weren't the kind of person who assumed the word was restaurateur. (laughs) Instead of restaurateur, we were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Of course not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now, so we've got that suffix there, that A-N-T, meaning it's someone who does the thing, right? Correct. And what's that called? Oh, an agentive suffix? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. It's a suffix that forms uh, adjectives or nouns causing or performing an action or existing in a certain condition. Doesn't that make a little more sense then if you look at it that way with complainant versus complainant? It does. But I think for me, I hear complaint. Sure. I do too. I think complaint, not complaint. I think of the noun, oddly enough. Making a complaint. Yeah, I do too, Kath. I'm curious how many of our listeners are in the same boat as you and have either used complainant or or prefer it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to die on that hill. (laughs) Interestingly enough, oh no, I just typed it into Google search to see, okay, if I type in complainant, which is my choice, I get 35,000 without any, you know, uh, anything. I get 35,000. If I do complaining, I get 41 million. So I think that <laughs> Ross and I were too, Ross was writing a uh, 
we were doing a fake like bio or something and he described himself as a native wit and raconteur and I was a naive twit and restaurateur <laughs> and that's how I feel right now <laughs> even though I own no restaurants <laughs> or you could say Kathy feels nauseous or nauseated <laughs> Fletcher okay, this is an interesting one it is okay what would you say that fish made me nauseous. I think Kathy wrote this uh, sentence here. I <laughs> yeah, tell. I did. I hate fish. <laughs> that fish made me nauseated. Well, imagine this. I caught a fish with my bare hands, particularly smelly fish, and I rubbed it all over myself. <laughs> that fish then might have actually made me nauseous. Wow, Fletcher, it's a... Very he knows his voice. Okay, so probably what you what you're wanting to say there is that the fish made me nauseated, meaning I'm the one who felt nausea. Right. Whereas nauseous technically means I'm causing nausea in other people. Precisely. Correct. Exactly. This one does not bother me in the least, and I I was only really aware of the distinction when I got married because my wife. You can see why I left diplomacy. The world is a mess, probably partly because wherever I go, no, she was like, there were a lot of fish around there. And for, I guess maybe that's also why it came in with fish here, but she really hears the distinction. Whereas in New York city, Everyone says, I feel nauseous. I feel nauseous. nauseous. I'm nauseous. Yeah. I feel everyone. nauseous. Everyone everywhere yeah. says it. Everyone says it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even, I wasn't aware of the distinction until, you know, until I got married, actually, which is really a bad statement. We're going to forget that. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is one of those situations where I know the distinction. I actually mm-hmm. try to say it properly. I hear every single other person say nauseous when they mean nauseated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I notice it and then quickly think to myself, I'm a horrible person. Why do I keep noticing that? <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> right? That's very big of you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, right now, nauseous is more frequently used to mean physically affected with nausea. Mm-hmm. Like, like I say, like I feel nauseous. And uh, the figurative sense that you used before with the fish that you've rubbed, which is a fascinating picture, let me tell you, um, is is much less frequent. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's a dying – that's something that – the distinction is definitely dying I think now. it's essentially dead. You know what? It, here's something interesting. I sort of am finding a different distinction now as I'm thinking about this. People are people would say something like, I, I'm nauseous, meaning I, I actually physically feel nausea. And if they say – I'm nauseated. That means I think that thing I'm looking at is really gross. Not necessarily that yes. I'm actually physically feeling anything. So like that, there's kind of a new distinction. Oh, that's ch- interesting. Ch- changing the meaning of those two words just a little bit. Yeah, like nauseated is like more figurative then, as opposed to the literal. Nauseous is literal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna puke. Nauseous is becoming nauseous. is becoming the literal self feeling, and yeah. and nauseated is becoming the. The thing I'm looking at is make is gross. Yeah, yeah, I know that's what you're saying. Interesting enough, I'm just looking at the etymology. Nauseous came about first in 1613, and and acquired the meaning causing nausea. By the 19th century, the U.S. Here we go, America, meaning affected with nausea, like the quote wrong meaning now, mm-hmm. and nauseated entered the language later and meant initially causing nausea. Mm-hmm. Then it became suffering from nausea. 
I think the distinction is is essentially useless at yeah, this point. Definitely, I think either one's fine, and you can. And if you have a distinction, you're going to like add that distinction. Yeah, like like Fletcher did with the rubbing fish all over itself, <laughs> 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 which so shall remain with me forever. <laughs> that. So. You're saying it wrong. Is part of the NPR network and is produced in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas, by me, Fletcher Powell. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Armia, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Torin Anderson composed our theme music, and our digital team is Beth Golay, Kate Hutchins, and Carly Cooper. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. You can find Kathy and Ross's books pretty much anywhere you get books, and a handful of them are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.